his sons and daughters and let's gather together and surrender and worship this amazing Savior. We sing. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. This is available to us, it's great. Come all you
centuries-old celebration that we share on Easter Sunday. It is great to be with you this morning. We're going to continue in worship in just a moment, but right now, would you be seated and you'll find a little communion kit nearby you uh, on your seat. Should be one real close by for those of you at home. If you want to prepare to receive Easter communion this morning, we're so thrilled to have you gather with us online. Looking forward to when we're all together in person again. This victory that Jesus has won is not just a thing in the head. He wants us to feel it. He wants us to know that it is tangible and real. And so he gives us this simple ordinance of the church called communion. We're going to receive communion together in celebration of his victory. Now, this can be a little tricky. It's sort of a two-part thing. If you peel off the very top part of it, you'll find the bread right underneath that, the little wafer. And then you peel off the second part of it, and it opens up that little kit to the, to the juice, to the fruit of the vine. Jesus gives us, church, this symbol. 
to help us receive what he's given to us. The Bible says that every time we come together, Jesus promised that he'd be in our midst. And he's here right now to give to you the gift of his grace. On the night he was betrayed, our Savior took bread and he broke it and he handed it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body given for you. This morning he says, this is my body given for Greg, given for you by name. And he says, I invite you to receive what I've done for you, to take it and eat it in remembrance of me. Let's do that together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us this Easter weekend. Carried our sins to the cross and then triumphed over death itself. And we receive the gift that you offer and we do it together in your name. The Bible says afterwards he lifted up the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This life I give you goes on forever. It never ends. It's immortal. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. Let's receive together. Lord, we are grateful this morning and we celebrate what you have done for us. Give us the hearts of little kids this morning, free and abandoned, to celebrate what you have done for us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we continue in worship, friends? Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave. Has no claim on me. It's for you and me. And we believe we declare these words again. Then came, then came the morning that sealed the promise. Yes, your very body began to breathe. Now.
our hope is alive in Him. And because of this, we can sing the words of this hymn. Let us do it together united as His church, as His sons and daughters. Because He lives, yes, I can face tomorrow. Sunday. Let this time be a celebration for he is risen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. We're all family here in this place. Welcome your neighbor and say, he is risen. Yeah.
This is what they felt like when it happened. And today, it's how we should feel too. Because what it meant for them, it means for us. Amen. What it meant for them, it means for us, church. Hallelujah. Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. Can, can, can you put yourself in that moment? What would you have felt on the morning of the resurrection? Imagine the excitement. Imagine the awe and the joy, and you'd have been texting all your neighbors, and if you'd have been one of those two women who arrived at the tomb first thing on Sunday morning, you'd have the most viral TikTok video ever you would have put out, right? Because this thing is real. This thing really happened. It is great to be with you this morning on Easter Sunday and to celebrate the resurrection together. Welcome to everybody who's joining us online. We're thrilled that you're with us. And because of what happened on that Easter morning church, there is nothing we need ever worry about or be afraid of ever again. Because the end of the story, now we know. Jesus has opened the door and showed that to us. And by the way, the end of the story is an immortal body, so there's no masks in heaven. Amen? Can somebody just agree with that? We're stuck with them for a while here, but not much longer, I don't think, but none in heaven, and that's a glorious thing. It's great to be with you. But you know, the excitement of Easter morning can sometimes seem like the whole deal, and it's not. There's much more than just the excitement of that moment. Again, if you had been there in that moment, there would have been excitement. But then slowly, as the day wore on or the week wore on, that excitement would have become something deeper and stronger and more powerful as you understood what he'd done for you. The excitement kind of comes and goes, and it's a little bit subject to circumstances. The world's always trying to interrupt our excitement. Uh, Ron and I woke up this morning early on Easter Sunday in our, in our bedroom in the dark, and we, we kind of snuggled together and said to each other, wow, it's Easter morning, he's risen, and she said, he's risen indeed, and we had this cool little moment. And, and then I got up and got ready to come in, got all dressed, headed out to the car, and lo and behold, I discovered as I got out there in the dark that last night I left my sunroof open all night. <laughs> So my car is just drenched, right? I'm like, are you kidding? Why am I so dumb? Anybody ever say that, you know? My favorite lines in the movie The Martian when he says, because I'm stupid. I say that all the time. So I went back in the house and said, man, it's Easter morning. How can this possibly get me down? And so I got a towel, went out, cleaned up the car, you know, climbed in. And, and then I said to myself, well, I should probably close the sunroof now. So I closed it. Unfortunately, it was full of water. <laughs> And it all came down on me. Some, several of you have said, Pastor, where's your Easter bow tie? Well, it's soaking wet in the bathroom at the house. But you know, nothing, nothing can, really, can really break through the deeper part of what's happening on Easter. Our lives are filled with moments that kind of mitigate against our excitement. And sometimes that can be a real challenge. I love the story about the woman who had been looking forward to her first vacation in, in five years. You know how it is between kids and jobs and life. She and her husband hadn't been able to get away for a long time. But finally, they were able to, to peel away a week and drop the kids off with grandma and grandpa. They hopped on a plane to fly to Hawaii for a whole week together. And she was so excited. She had fabulous plans. They were going to hit the beaches every day, go snorkeling every afternoon eat great seafood at fancy restaurants, and spend romantic evenings walking on the sand in the moonlight. When they got on the plane, she thought heaven can't be any better than this. 
But they woke up the first morning in their hotel in Hawaii with a dental emergency. She couldn't believe it. A toothache now here? Are you kidding? And she was determined not to let it interrupt her vacation. She said, this can't be happening. So she called up an emergency dentist and, and met with him. And she told him when she saw him, walked right in the office. She said, I've got a bad tooth. I want it out now. I don't care what it costs. We're in a hurry. We've got plans. I don't want any painkillers. Just yank it out and we're going to the beach. The dentist was pretty impressed. He's like, wow, you're probably the toughest lady I've ever met. Okay, let's go. He said, show me which tooth it is. She turned to her husband and said, show him which tooth it is, honey, so we can take care of that you know, in this moment. And, and you see how you can be in heaven on the outside, right? But not so much on the inside. And that's what God wants to talk to us about for a few minutes this morning together, friends, on this Easter morning. He wants to talk to us about a resurrection that includes the body, but it's not just the body. It's much more than that because we are much more than that. And the truth of the matter is that Easter Sunday is about a resurrection that begins on the inside now and then culminates in the redeeming of the body at the end. But Easter doesn't mean we now wait for something to happen eventually. It means something begins to happen here and now. Resurrection is of the soul, the spirit, the heart, the mind, as well as the body. And on this Easter Sunday, that's what God wants to speak to us about. John, in his gospel, tells an amazing story about a, a woman who didn't know that's how God works. Jesus met her in John chapter 4. You could turn there in your Bible if you want. But he encountered her and he sought to give her something that, that she didn't know was possible and that she didn't know was true of God. John, John chapter 4, beginning with verse 2. Let's just take a few minutes this morning. And the Bible says this, So he, Jesus, left Judea and he went back once more to Galilee and he had to go through Samaria. That's a significant detail that John uh, calls our attention to. We'll talk about it in a moment. And he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And tired as he was from the journey, Jesus sat down by the well. It was about noon. Another detail that John puts in on purpose and that has great significance. Let's talk about these two details for just a moment. First of all, he had to go through Samaria. You know, Samaria is kind of like the space between Buckley and Bonnie Lake. You have to go through it to get somewhere else, right? It's kind of the idea. But it was even a little bit more intense than that because, you see, Samaria was a place where, you know, the ethics, the morals were low. It was a violent place. It was a place that had a bad reputation, and part of that bad reputation was that the Samaritans, the people who lived there, had kind of watered down the truth about God to such a degree that it really invented their own religion, had nothing to do with the truth. And because of this, righteous and devout Jews would make huge detours to avoid going through Samaria. Sometimes they would add days to their journey. You know, if you're taking the kids, don't go there. That kind of an idea... And they would sometimes add days to their journey just to avoid Samaria, just to go around it, to get wherever they were going. But John wants us to understand that Jesus doesn't do that. That Jesus goes right through Samaria on the way to where he's going. Do you know why? 
It's because Jesus doesn't see categories, he sees people. He doesn't see categories, he sees people. We have a tendency to see categories. We label everybody about just about everything. And as a consequence, we tend to reduce people to categories, and then we divide up about them. That's human nature. It's what the Bible calls the sinful nature. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus sees people, whether they're in Samaria or Israel or anywhere. And so he goes right through Samaria. It would have surprised his disciples. It certainly would have surprised the the religious leaders of his day who would have recommended that people avoid it. But Jesus doesn't. He goes right through it. And then the second detail John tells us is that it was about noon when he sat down by the well. That's significant. You see, even today in Latino cultures, the middle of the day is the quietest part of the day. Everybody's home having a siesta. People go home from work. Business is shut down. In Israel, the well, it was not a place you went to get your water in the middle of the day. It's too hot. You went early in the morning or you went late in the evening. John tells us Jesus sat down by Jacob's well at noon and his audience in the first century would have immediately recognized that he would have been alone. It would have been nobody else there. It was a quiet place. It was a quiet moment. And into that quiet moment comes a Samaritan woman, not a category, a person. And the Bible tells us this, when the Samaritan woman came, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now, that seems so innocuous to us. We think, well, it's just a toss-off moment, but it's not. Jesus is crossing all kinds of cultural barriers and boundaries here. He's a rabbi who's a single man. He's talking to a, a woman he doesn't know in a private place in the middle of the day when nobody else is around. Lots of people would have avoided that, but once again, Jesus doesn't see categories. He sees people. So he asks her for a drink, and and she recognizes what he's doing, that it's kind of off the charts, that it's kind of unexpected, that it's crossing a lot of boundaries and categories, and that's why she responds the way she does. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. You're a blue stater, and I'm a red stater. You're country, I'm city. (laughs) You like rock and roll, I like country music. We can't talk to each other in this moment. This can't happen. She said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then in case we don't know the story, John gives us this detail. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Why? Because they see categories. They see categories instead of people. But Jesus doesn't. And that's really important if you're sitting here this morning and you're a Samaritan. Maybe you you don't live in the church world And you think to yourself, well, I'm not sure how God feels about me being here, but my family brought me, so here I am. Know this. God sees you as a person in name. Doesn't see you as a category. This woman knows her whole world is divided by race, culture, whatever, just like now. But Jesus crosses all those boundaries. And that's incredibly important because here's another truth about this woman we're about to learn. She's put herself in a category. She has labels for herself. She has begun to see herself as a category instead of a person. Watch what happens next. She says, how can you talk to me? Jews don't answer to associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her. Listen to him. He said, if you knew the gift of God 
and who it is who asks you for a drink, then you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, hang on for just a second and grasp what's happening here. Because Jesus is saying that one of the most important things that you and me can learn about God is that he comes to give you something. Most people think God wants something from us, but the truth is he wants to give us something even before we've given him anything. That's his nature. That's who he is. That's his heart and his spirit. Here he is talking to this woman who really has a lot of problems. We're going to see what's going on in her life in just a second. But Jesus isn't saying, hey, let's, let's get your problems figured out so that then I can reward you. He says, no, I want to bless you right now. I have a gift for you. It's free. If you only knew who I am, you'd know that I want to give it to you right here and right now. He doesn't ask her to do anything before he offers this gift except believe that he wants to give it. Let me ask you this morning on Easter Sunday, do you believe God wants something from you or that he has something for you? There's a world of difference between those two things. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I've, my mom would sometimes drop me and my sisters off at Grandma and Grandpa's house. And when I heard that we were going to Grandma and Grandpa's house, I was all grins. Because I knew Grandma's sole reason for existence was to bless me. I knew that's what her heart was. Always 24-7, 365. You know, she just sat at home the rest of the time and thought about the next time she could bless me. That was, that was what I thought about my grandma, right? Because as soon as I showed up, it was ice cream and cookies and her famous beans and weenies she would give you know and she just wanted to she just wanted to bless her little gregor <laughs> let me tell you something god is not less than my grandma jesus says if you only knew if you only knew the truth about who god is if you only knew who's standing right in front of you you would know that i'm here to give you something the woman says, I don't see how you can give me a drink. You don't have water. You don't have a bucket to draw from the well. Jesus knows, no, you misunderstand. Verse 13, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, sis, I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about your spirit. You are more than a body, and I'm talking to that part of you talking to your heart. I'm talking to your mind. I'm talking about the real you, the down deep you that nobody else sees, that maybe nobody else knows the truth about. I'm talking about your soul. I wonder if anybody knows the real you this morning. Jesus does. And he still stands seeking to give you a gift. More than he wants something from you, he has something for you. That's the gospel. And then, though, Jesus does something that, 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 that feels strange to us until we understand it. Most of us carry secrets inside that nobody knows, so we put ourselves in categories no one can reach. Jesus knows this, and so he reaches right into her secrets. He says, go, call your husband and come back. The real God will never avoid the issues in your life and mine. He loves us too much, and he knows the secret to healing our souls is in touching our pain. And so he says to her, go and call your husband and come back. And now we hear the rest of the story. She says, I, I have no husband. Jesus said, 
you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five, and the man you're with now is not your husband. What, what, a, what a story of brokenness and pain and hurt. Each time this woman attached herself to a new man, she thought, this is the one, this is the answer. And each time her heart was broken. And not only was there that, that disappointment, but then there was the reputation that she began to earn. That's why she's here at noon. She knew nobody else would be around. She wouldn't have to face those stares and those comments and those conversations about her. If she came at noon, even though it was hot, the hardest part of the day, she could get in and get out without being noticed. Jesus knows that she lives in a prison. It doesn't matter how healthy her body is, her spirit, her soul is struggling. And so he reaches right into her secrets. Let me say it again. The real God will do that with you and me. But it's because he wants to heal us. It's because the gift he has for us requires that we come clean with our secrets. I read a beautiful devotional years ago. I've never forgotten about this moment. The woman wrote these words. She said, the grace of God is like water. It flows down and down to the deepest part of our brokenness and finds us there in order to heal us. It trickles down into our secrets. The grace of God is like that. And Jesus has already offered her the gift He's not saying to her, get your act together before I give you the gift. He's saying, no, 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 sis, realize what your struggle is so that you'll be willing to receive the gift. He says, hey, I want to resurrect you from the inside out. He wants to go to the lowest part of her, just like the lowest part of you and me, in order to touch us in our pain and brokenness and bring his healing. Marianne Bird, in her marvelous book, The Whisper Test, tells the story of growing up as a little girl with a, with a cleft palate and deafness in one ear. She writes, it was hard. Kids can be cruel. The kids at school would stare at her and ask, what's wrong with you? She says, I cried a lot in grade school. But there came a day that changed all that that she writes about. It happened in third grade. Mary writes that she was in the class of Miss Leonard, who all the kids loved because she was the most popular teacher at school. And it came time for the annual hearing test. And in those days, it was done a little differently. The teacher would go from student to student and whisper in one ear. And then the student would have to repeat back what she heard or he heard. Then she would do it in the other ear. And she would say things like, the sky is blue or your new shoes are nice or whatever. She would whisper in people's, in, in their ears. When she came to Mary Ann, Miss Leonard knelt down and whispered in her ear, I wish you were my little girl. Mary Ann said it was the tiniest moment and the most important moment in my life all at once. She says, you can't imagine how much that meant to me. I would have never guessed that the most popular teacher in the school wanted me to be her daughter. And in the same way, God leans near to you on Easter morning and says, I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. I want to bring a resurrection, not just of your body, that's coming, but I want to bring a resurrection of your spirit, your soul, your heart, the inside of you. This is what God wants you to know about him, is that he wants to, to give you a gift in spite of your categories, 
in spite of your history, in spite of your secrets, in spite of your struggles. He wants to resurrect you from the inside out. The end of this story is that the scripture tells us in verse 29, the woman says, could this be the Christ? She goes and tells people, hey, you got to come see this guy. And it's the beginning of her journey as a follower of Jesus. Could this be who God is? Could this be the truth that God wants to give us a gift regardless of who we are? Could this be the Christ? And in the same way, God seeks each one of us. When you let him call you out on your brokenness, on your shames and secrets, when you let him call you out on him, then he heals you of him because you discover who he is. That's what Easter's about. Yeah, the resurrection of the body, absolutely. But even more so, the truth of God seeking us and revealing to us who he is. You know, when I was about nine, ten years old, I went to Grandma and Grandpa's house one time, and one of those times I was looking forward to. I was excited about it, and this happened to be a Saturday. I ended up being able to spend the whole Saturday with my grandpa, and, and uh, he was hugely important to me. Any time I got to spend with him was a big deal. And, uh, you know, he would often take me shooting. He was very much into his, his Isaac Walton League and his uh, shooting range and all that. And he, So we, on that particular Saturday, we were cleaning his rifles in the garage. And he was showing me how to do that, and I got to help. Nine, ten years old, that's pretty cool. And then the phone rang, and this was a few years ago, so you had to go in the house to answer the phone. Anybody remember that? So the phone rang, and Grandpa went in the house to answer the phone. And then I did something really stupid. Nine, ten years old, I grabbed one of the rifles off the freezer in the garage and I started pretending I was hunting Germans in the garage. And I took aim at that bad old German and I pulled the trigger and the gun was loaded. And I blew a hole in my granddad's 1975 Ford LTD station wagon right through the wood paneling, man. Right into the block of the engine. I shot Grandpa's car, if you can believe that. Ah, oh, and I threw the rifle on the freezer and Grandpa came running out of the house. You bet he did. <laughs> and he burst into the garage with eyes big as saucers and I thought to myself, this is the end of Greg Dalton. <laughs> There'll be a plaque on the floor that says, here lies Greg. You know. But you and I both know it's not what Grandpa was feeling as he came running out of the house. That wasn't what he was feeling. And he ran straight to me and he picked me up. Are you okay? Are you all right? Grandpa shot your car. He didn't even notice. Are you okay? Church God is not less than my grandpa. And he runs to you and says, I know you're not okay. But I'm here to heal you. I'm here to resurrect that broken part of you way down deep. I'm here to give you a gift. And the only thing that can stand between such love and you and me is our unwillingness to receive it. And so this morning, a living God, a resurrected Jesus, stands here saying to you, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me and I'd give you the gift of eternal life. Starts now last forever. If you knew who I am, you'd know how much God wants you to call him dad. 
And that's what Easter's about. And that lasts way beyond the excitement that lasts forever. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? I wonder if as you sit here this morning, you say, God, I didn't know that you want to give me something. God, I didn't know that you want to call me your son, your daughter. I didn't know that, God. And you're saying to yourself, could this be the truth? Just like that woman did. Could this be the truth? Jesus says, I am the truth. When you see me, you've seen the Father. And I'm here for you. You can receive his gift right now on Easter morning. If you say to God, God, come in and touch my brokenness. God, I'm going to let you call me out on my brokenness. Then he'll meet you in this moment and heal you and give you the eternal life that starts on the inside and then eventually involves even your body. You can do that right now. He's here for you. He's listening to you. He hears your heart. Easter can be your resurrection day. God, we thank you for your word this morning. Jesus, we thank you for showing us who the Father is for teaching us who you are. And we pray, Lord, that as we go into this Easter Sunday, it would be an awareness with an awareness of who you are. We pray that this morning and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, friends? Yeah. This is an Easter reality that goes far beyond the excitement of the moment. Thanks for worshiping with us, celebrating with us today. I hope you have plans to have a great afternoon with your family. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love them. Happy Easter. Mm -hmm.